RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Okay, folks, without VFF, Voices for Freedom, RCR, Reality Check Radio, wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be talking right now and you wouldn't be listening to us. I want to bring in Alia Bland from Voices for Freedom, VFF, onto the program right now. Alia, welcome in. Thanks, Paul. Nice to be here. Okay. What do you think of your little baby so far? <laughs> well, it's certainly grown up um, pretty fast <laughs> from yeah. its, its roots that, that um, appeared this time last election, actually. So pretty well exactly three years ago, VFF was launched. Take us into the room. How did that come together? Curious. Yeah, so last, well, obviously, um, all of the COVID stuff was unfolding in t- all, all through 2020. And there are a lot of dissatisfied people throughout that time, a lot of people that could see what was coming up in terms of mandates and things like that, even though they were being denied by the government. And um, Claire Deeks, Libby Johnson and I, we had been um, uh, communicating all through that whole time, just watching what was going on, reading all the science, really immersing ourselves in what was going on globally. And so when the election came about, there was a, a party that sort of sprung out of the ashes, a bit like what has happened this time around, uh, to try and address all of this stuff and to try and put a stop to it before it began. And so that party uh, was called Advance New Zealand, and we were involved in that quite heavily. Uh, Claire was a candidate and we were helping behind the scenes. And what we saw during that time was there was all of this hype and enthusiasm and hope um, not too dissimilar to what we've seen this time with other political parties that have that have come about as well. And, you know, we were looking at, um, you know, thousands of people that were joining rallies, that were marching um, here, there and everywhere or travelling uh, across the country to attend the campaign launch. I think there were several thousand people at that campaign launch. Uh, there were hundreds of people in attendance in town halls throughout the country, uh, we had, there were grandparents, mothers, fathers, young kids, everybody that was dedicated to the course, to the cause, who were putting up, you know, billboards across the country and talking to people and you know, like tens of thousands on um, on the Facebook page. You know, it was really, really busy. And whenever there was a live, there were literally thousands of people on the live. Uh, and I think that the Facebook page had uh, hundreds of thousands that it was reaching before it was shut down. So, they got, uh, you know, it was another one of these situations where the censorship button was pushed and the political party lost its Facebook page. Um, I think it was just weeks out from the election. Anyway, the, the point of that was that there was a lot of hype surrounding this party and we were party to um, under seeing what was happening with negotiations with some of the other minor parties that were uh, um, in business at the time because you could see that there was a lot of momentum behind this party. And of course, everybody wanted to try and, you know, solidify the freedom vote as it were, so yep. that you weren't splitting it. And that didn't happen because, you know, people are people and you've got um, a new a newcomer on the scene that hasn't put in the hard yards like everybody else had been slogging away at it for ages. And there's egos in the room and you can totally understand why it didn't, why that those negotiations, negotiations didn't work. And so basically it went to election and despite having, you know, just so much support, it just didn't, it didn't happen on the night. And I think that 
you know, like this election as well, people didn't want to waste their vote. They didn't want Labour to get back in. And so, you know, they, they put their vote in a safe place. And, and I think that that's totally understandable. So basically what we learned from that was it's really hard to do a, um, yeah, it's a political like really party. Hard. Yeah, not easy. <laughs> not easy. You need a lot of money. You need a lot of time. You need a clear strategy. You need good people. Like it is, it's a huge thing. And there's reasons why it takes so long to get into parliament. If you yeah. think about what's happened this time around with um, New Zealand First getting in, I mean, it's six and a half percent. That that's you know everyone's aiming for this five percent. That's it was a huge deal to just get that. Yeah, and they have name recognition. They've been around for thirty years. You know, like it's it's not it's not an easy task. So we came through that election. Um, we reflected a lot on what happened, and we weren't ready to give up because you know this is all about our children's future, and for and sure. the future of our yeah. freedom in this country that we love. And so we we set about thinking about how we could go about uh, making a change in the country because there were a lot of disappointed people clearly after that after that election last yeah. time twenty twenty, yeah. and a lot of people who were feeling excluded from you know all sorts of social circles, their families, um, employers. They couldn't talk about what they were worried about. They felt really alone, and we saw that happening in the groups that we were in online. And so that was one of the first things that we really wanted to do was to bring people together and give people a community so that they could connect and, and sort of support one another. And so I remember people saying to us at the time, you guys are mad. Why don't you just do it in Auckland? And we were like, no, that's not going to work. But mm. people are all over the country. You have to do it everywhere. Yeah. And so we launched uh, VFF in December of 2020 and um, immediately got to work calling for volunteer coordinators across the country to try and lead groups so that they could, you know, create these little mini communities within their location. And the other thing that we wanted to do at that time, because we were we were in the middle of this information war where we were being told a whole lot of nonsense by the mainstream media and the government. And when you were following the actual science of things, you knew that what they, they were trying to tell people was not true. And so we wanted to give people... Um, access to information that was credible and reliable and solid so that they could have courageous conversations when they went about out, you know, in their friends' groups with their families at, at supermarket, wherever they went, to try and raise awareness of the crazy that was happening around us. The disinformation. Yeah, the disinformation. I, I can't use that word, if but that it was a, if that was a term that was being thrown yeah. around at that point yet. But um, it's definitely, you know, that was what was happening on their part for sure. Yeah, so we so that's when how basically how Voices for Freedom was born, and of course um, it, it totally came into its own um, when once things like the mandate started to become apparent in early. Yeah, how quickly how quick was that growth? Because I was not in the tent then, and but I was aware of of things, and it seemed to to expand pretty quickly. Was the impression. It was huge. It yeah. was incredible. We started with the three of us, and very soon it um, it became many, many more. And we, you know, it took a, a while for the for the mailing list to get going, but eventually, I think it kind of must have peaked around um, <clears throat> just before the mat, just before the the parliamentary protest. I mean, we were at 
hundred thousand members yeah. or sub- subscribers, and and over forty thousand people in uh, local groups across the country. So it's huge. Oh, in the groups. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we have over a hundred and something. That's big groups. admin. That's big admin. It's massive right admin. There. Yeah. yeah, we had to get, we had to rapidly expand the team because, of course, you need all sorts of people. Once you've got a hundred and something coordinators representing your organisation throughout the country, you have to have a um, structure for that. You have to have an onboarding system, you know, like a HR sort of person <laughs> and um, people to man the inbox. You know, there was so much going on um, when it got to its full peak. I think we had about seven people working full time in our email inbox, answering the, a thousand emails yeah. a day. Yeah, Crikey. like it was. Okay. It was really big. Yeah, and um, we were we were running these webinars that uh, we were hosting international guests of all all types of really amazing people, scientists, doctors, um, philosophers, all all sorts of uh, highly respected people um, from around the world who were coming on the on the on the show to um, speak with our audience. And so those audiences would easily max out, um, you know, three, five, six, eight thousand people on, on at any time. And with one time when we were helping people with um, mandate legal stuff, um, how to navigate through that process of potentially being mandated out of their jobs, uh, there was uh, twelve over twelve thousand people had joined a Zoom call to the point where right. Zoom actually gave us a gave us a call and said, "What what are you guys actually <laughs> doing? Because you've got the you've had the biggest Zoom call in Australasia." Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's impressive. Yeah. It was that's impressive. Yeah. It was crazy. You know, as we were living and breathing this stuff, our phones never stopped, and um, our families were, you know just scurrying around trying to feed themselves and yeah. you know we put it all all into it um let me think about where we were going from there but it well, was those uh, those local the the local groups and the 40,000 yes. how did they sort of organize it and what what was the task what what did they do on the ground so really in the first instance it was just about connecting people yeah. so that they could go somewhere, have a cup of coffee with like-minded others and get some sanity back in their lives. Because remember at that time, you know, it was it was really full on. People yeah. were completely isolated. Some people knew no one who thought like them. And they thought, you know, they thought that they were going nuts. But um, it gave them a, a whole lot of relief and joy to just sit around and, you know, <laughs> talk and connect with people who shared their same point of view. And yep. and then of course it 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 grew into um having speakers and educating um each other on different things, whether that be um gardening or communications or you know, all sorts of things people would have little, you know, training sessions on throughout the groups around the country. Uh it was it was a really positive time amongst all the other stuff that was that could easily get you down. And there was a lot to get you down back there was. then. Well, yeah. it still is, but there was particularly then. Yes, it felt quite hard to see how we were going. Because no one had ever been in that situation before in little old NZ. No, you didn't know how long it was going to last. You didn't know how permanent any of these things were going to be. You didn't know that if you um, had chucked your career and whether or not you were ever going to get it back again. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it was 
it was a really, really turbulent, upsetting time. And obviously, as everybody knows, a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of people lost their homes, um, their families, their health. Uh, you know, it, it was it was pretty devastating. At that time, um, <clears throat> we also set up another uh, another sort of side thing of creating industry groups. So oh, okay. we had another yeah. uh, another website that was running where people could register um, to connect with people from within their industry. So we had, oh gosh, there must have been dozens and dozens of industry groups from anything in the in- energy sector to retail to medical to education, you know, you name it, there was an industry group set up to try and coordinate their response to what was going on so that they could um, move in unison. And we had the um, we had a whole lot of legal people on our team. At one point, we had um, we we'd roped and managed to, you know, pay for legal um, lawyers who were helping with all of this kind of um, <clears throat> response to people trying to keep their jobs and and negotiate through that process of. How um, successful um, was that? I mean, did you have some successes there? Because uh, it seemed to me a few people I've spoken to that if you know, they were pretty upfront with their employers and laid the cards on the table. And in some cases, that was enough to yes. back off the employer, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think that there were quite, an, you know, there were quite a few people who were successful. Those people, we had um, these sets of template letters that people could use and, and you know, uh, make them their own for within their own circumstances. Uh, and if you followed those to the letter, I know of you know somebody down the road who who did just that within a council organization and they managed to keep their job. So there were right. sort of ways to go about it that you yeah, you sure you had to spend stand down for the summer and and kind of go through all these different processes that were really annoying and painful. But at the end of the day, when you, you came out the other side, you still had your job. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there were industries like the, the um, health industry that was much yep. more difficult. And Though we now uh, know that some people had exemptions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I up know. to 16,000, depending on the numbers. But anyway. It's unbelievable. We didn't know that at yeah. the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there was all of that going on. Um, we we fundraised, I think, for legal stuff over half a million dollars, um, and that went towards basically free legal aid. We were doing what the old citizens' advice bureau should have been doing, but wasn't. Right. And, um, yeah. So yeah, people were contributing as they could. Obviously, people who were losing their jobs couldn't pay for this sort of stuff, right? So um, it relied on the community as a whole to to front you know, foot the bill. And um, that that's was, it was really amazing. That's amazing. That's incredible. They, I mean, I wasn't in that situation, but if if I was, if I knew, you know, someone kind of had my back like that, it would, I would feel, I wouldn't, still wouldn't feel too good about it, but I'd feel better about it, you know? Oh, totally. It, it, yeah. What it made was a very, um, despite everybody being very diverse and different, uh, you know, because we were coming together on one issue, but everybody came from wildly different backgrounds. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, it made for a really solid group of people across the country who who totally had each other's backs. You'd go into a room, and you'd immediately connect with people. You know, no small talk or anything like that. Just hugs and tears, and you know, it, it just bonded people together. And I think that that made 
what we had going was very, very strong. And powerful. It was. You can see how there would be certain folk, people, groups, establishments that would not, not like that, would feel threatened by that. Oh, absolutely. We had our, um, we were always very careful. We had a Facebook page and we were very, very careful about what we posted because we didn't want it to be taken down. We stuck with the facts. We stuck with published uh, research, international articles, um, our own news articles from New Zealand. We didn't, we never published anything that was dodgy, (laughs) but yet uh, they took us down. No warning, no yeah. no um, alarms or anything like that, just gone. Uh, your, your pages being unpub- unpublished. We were getting too big for our boots. Yeah. And, and at that time, I think that it was um, known that the government had this sort of back back portal through to Facebook kind of management. Did you, was down. there any anything communicated to you like back channel that um, gave you an insight into what, you know, those people were, were saying about you? Um, later on, we became aware of, I think we must have put in an OIA or somebody did, um, about uh, through to, I think it was CERT New Zealand, which was like a head of disinformation kind of arm. This was before the disinformation project became um, a thing. And so that was that came through. It was a 200 pages of um, partially redacted kind of material that were to and fro emails within government departments about us, solidly about us. We had a whole dossier written on us. And they they knew all sorts of things, you know, about our internet traffic and that sort of thing, how many people were visiting our site. and So they could um, monitor that or get that data? Yeah, they seemed to be able to. Was that readily available? I mean, could, you know, anyone who knows a bit about the internet get that or is is, is that next a next level thing? I'm not actually sure. I'm sure if you were techie, you could probably find a way right. to do it. Okay. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, it's not available to your average Joe. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, they had a lot of things wrong in there. They they linked us to a bunch of other people who um whose names also appeared in, in amongst the disinformation web as they called it. Um, you know, but it just showed you that they were very concerned about uh, lots of things that we were doing, actually. They they were really worried about our direct advertising that we were doing. So we were we couldn't get uh, billboards or anything like that. I think we'd managed to do it at one point, but uh, the the billboard companies, when there was a hate speech law was coming through, we wanted to put up these billboards that just basically said, without free speech, you are not free. They were encouraging people to go and make a submission about the the hate speech laws that were being proposed. And uh, we had agreed to just have our logo on there. And I don't even know if we had our, um, our URL. We Like it was it, the things that we had to do to try and get these sorts of things over the line was we had to jump through a lot of hoops. Anyway, um, <laughs> as it happened, the, the the billboards went up. They were up for all of about two hours before the boss got whiff of it, and they were all pulled down again. Right. And when that happened, yep. everyone, all of the billboard companies, the big ones in the country, just closed ranks. We couldn't get in. We had our flyers. Um, we we lost suppliers for printing our flyers. Uh, we lost merchandise printers. Basically, it, like the core flute signs that we have across the country, we lost the printers for those. We just became too hot to handle for anybody to be touched. But there was nothing that that anyone could specifically point to, though, is really what you're saying in terms of the way you 
did your advertising, you minimized any kind of what really hard hitting strap oh, no, line I mean, or, or anything yeah, no, like that? It was that. totally plain vanilla. It was, we were very careful, like we would never, of course, you'd never get anything. So, out were you, there. was there reasoning? It's like, sorry, Alia, but um, it, it, it transgresses our rules. Was there anything, any attempt to kind of justify it, or was it just like the cold shoulder pulled the pin? Uh, some some of the organisations were bought the Kool Aid of what was being promoted in the media that we were dangerous misinformation spreaders, um, and so they didn't want to uh, have any part of that because that's what they perceived us as, whether that was true or not. Others had uh, government contracts, ah, uh, of course, and so it was a conflict of of interest for them to have both of us on there as their clients. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, you know, these people who have also been through lockdown are sort of on their knees. And so they take the government contract because it's guaranteed money. Well, we know how much they front-loaded the advertising, um, you know, uh, for those um, presumably media companies you're talking about. So we're kind of aware of that now. Um, yeah. I remember it was quite widely reported around the local body election time that VFF was very much talked about and – and, and that's when I think I became aware. And, of course, I wasn't in the tent there. I was aware of BFF, but I saw the hit pieces start to <laughs> rain on down, right? That was right, yes. Incoming. <laughs> yeah, it was um, It was crazy. I think, was that before or after? I can't. The timeline's a bit hazy now, but, of course, it was Fire and Fury, which came out as well. Oh, you'll be um, pleased to know, you probably know, it's been nominated I, in the New Zealand Television Awards. Best yeah. documentary. Oh, my goodness. Well, they've got to milk it for all they can, don't they? Well, I don't uh, see how it fits the criteria because it's not technically a documentary. No, and they didn't have any kind of, um, you know, they didn't give us any right of reply. It's like a, um, a, a sort of a media project out of a, I don't know, a university or polytech more than anything, but okay. Yes. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, well, so part of our, our – we have these three pillars, basically, in Voices for Freedom that, that sets what, out what we're doing. So we've got our advocacy arm, and that's got to do with, like, submi filing submissions, OIAs, um, creating resources, template letters, uh, making objections to legislation, select committee appearances. Um, now it's sort of expanded to, like, Legal Hub on the radio here. We have education and media. Um, and so that was to do uh, um, with, you know, just basically giving people information about what the, all the important things and getting it out there. And then lastly was our community, which is what we call Rebuild Free. And so that really is uh, the foundation of everything that we're doing. So that is basically, you know, getting our local groups um, to be grassroots, all about connecting and supporting and getting involved in their communities to to be resilient and to stand up for themselves. And so part of that was to do things like get involved at the local level with things like your local body um, elections and local councils and local boards, school boards, all of those sorts of things that are in your own backyard because we identified that many of these international sort of globalist agendas are coming through via these avenues and we needed both people in there that were eyes and ears but also people in there that could represent the voices of the people in, in the community who were against the rollout of such things whether it be you know painting painting things on the road and narrowing down the roads for cycle lanes and or you know 
any of these sorts of things that happen, closing facilities because of mandates or mask mandates or vaccine mandates, all of that kind of stuff. It was really about trying to get the, the problem with what we are all finding now is because we've taken our hands off the wheel. And, um, you know, this is, we have to take a bit of responsibility for that. You know, we've all been kind of consumed in our lives and we haven't really been paying attention to what's been going on. And these things have come in and it's a bit of a shock to a lot of us. So they've been very stealthily um, introduced though, to be fair, haven't they? They've kind of come in very quietly under the radar. Yes. And, and you only realize that these things are, are there when, you know, after quite a period of time of, of that sort of slipping in under the, yeah, the, that's the true. Doorway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But we we just figured that it's better to have people in those positions um, who can speak and watch um, than not. So we encouraged people to get involved in the democratic process and be a representative for their community. Of course, that was spun to be that we were doing something that was encouraging um, the country to become ungovernable, which was something that was taken well out of context uh, that from the film um, Fire and I can't even remember what it was. Fire, it's fire and Fury. Fire and Fury. <laughs> fire and Fury, yep. Yeah. Uh, they they totally misrepresented something that was said in one of our webinars, which was basically what we were trying to get across was people's lives were destroyed when the government hung their jobs over their head and their livelihoods and their homes and their children's sports and all of that sort of thing. And they couldn't make the choices that they wanted to make because they were already up against the wall financially. And so what we were trying to get people to do was to plan for the future, to get build in a bit of fat into their lifestyle so that they had you know, some time up their sleeve to be able to make decisions if this were to ever happen again. And so that's where the word ungovernable came from. And it was quickly followed by, so get your finances in order and go and plant a garden. But they can't, they cut that part out <laughs> so that they could, um, you know, so they could portray it as a, as a certain sort of, uh, you know, dastardly plan. But that's not the plan at all. We 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 just want people to get involved in the in the democratic process. Okay, so if they'd left the the the, the other bit of that on the end of ungovernable, it would have had a completely completely different meaning. That um, yes. that had nothing sinister because that was that was hammered. That was hammered. It that was, was hammered and it was elaborated on. People seem to, um, with every kind of um, new article of which there were hundreds through that time, uh, you know, they, they'd all have to take it a little bit further to make it even more sinister. You know, they just embellished it uh, without ever kind of. No one ever got in touch with us to find out whether it was true or not. That's shocking. That they is a complete abdication of journalistic it's, it's professional standards. Yeah. Yes. And when we took them to um, task on it, we made formal complaints. And we took it as far as the media council. And did you know that if you make a complaint, uh, if it's not successfully resolved with, in the first instance, with the person, the, the entity that you're complaining about. So in this yeah. case, you got to, you got to go to them first, right? Yeah. You have to go to them first and be dissatisfied with that in order to go through to the next process. And, but as part of the, the application for putting in a complaint to the media council, you have to sign a waiver. And that waiver says along the lines of, 
that you basically give away any of your right to take legal action against any of the parties involved. Boy, okay. They make it easy for themselves. Yeah. So we managed to find a way around that um, by just submitting it via email. And um, it took them a little bit to work out that we'd done it that way and not signed a waiver. And they'd kind of processed it a little bit along the way. And then they freaked out because they realized that we hadn't signed this waiver. And so we decided that we weren't going to sign a waiver because, hey, one day in the future, we might want to take stuff to court over this. And we may still do, you know, because what they did was really, really wrong. Um, however, we had other people who were willing to sort of basically make the same complaint on our behalf. And, you know, we had some really valid points in there that that, blat- that blatantly lied. And because they refused to give us any right of reply, that we had no op- opportunity to, um, you know, right the wrongs um, and, and and put things straight. And so their thing, their film goes out as as some sort of factual account but it's anything wasn't but. the argument earlier wasn't the argument that um that that you and 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 other groups i guess um in this sort of broader community had the opportunity to put their own view out there anyway and that sort of counterbalanced the um one-sided take of the fire and fury which is i don't yes. think i've ever heard that argument deployed before but no, and the argument stood as far as they were concerned. Um, yeah. It was a crazy argument because our audience was effectively an echo chamber and, you know, we weren't really reaching the mainstream in the way that they do every day with their with their reporting. Um, they have a completely different audience. So it's it was a poor excuse and a really sort of dark day for journalism in New Zealand when it's okay to run hit pieces and call them journalism and not, not seek a right of... Um, Especially from a producer who I understand made a documentary kind of regarding a vaccine, and we don't need to go into the detail, people can look it up, I think about five years or just a bit more previous, yes. which which yes. was showed a completely different approach. So, I mean, you have to call in, you have to ask what happened in the meantime. I mean, what happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, good question. I'd what are they? What are they on? You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, you get a lot of adoration, is what I've seen um, from that from that group of people. I, I attended a a course at the start of the year where they were presenting, and you know, they they're definitely up on the on the throne of being um, basically adored by yeah by their by their own community. So, you know, maybe it's got to do with that. I really don't know. But Want to make a prediction on, on how those awards will go? <laughs> well, I can imagine that they'll probably win. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Why wouldn't they'll they? probably win. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't they? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So yes. so, so the, the hit pieces rained on down. Now um, I could be getting ahead of myself and, and, you know, make this go at the pace that you want. But then um, you explained that, uh, you know, the the – experience you had at the last election. And I guess there were thoughts that uh, in this election, the 2023, maybe you could mount an effort, but I'm picking what you said about Advance NZ and what you experienced then, that probably you could see a repeat of that experience coming up. And maybe it's going to be even more complicated and fragmented and difficult given the protests, all that sort of stuff. So you decide to do what? Well, we had a lot of people. I mean, at this point, you know, we had over a hundred thousand people on our mailing list, and those often they represented more than one person. So you, you might have one 
one email that's representing you know two or three people in a home so we we figured that the um the potential audience was actually very large however um what we had already seen last time around is it can become very fractured come election time because everybody yep. has different ideas on things plus we saw that the political system it didn't really seem to matter when we looked around the world who was in power the things were marching ahead regardless. So even if you did manage to get in into Parliament, it, you were, you had a hard road ahead of you. Um, none of us wanted to do it. Like it, it was probably I'd rather pull my own teeth out or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know it was on the table, and we did we did um, we discussed it for months and months and months because a lot of our people thought that we should stand because we had such a huge following. There were a lot of people that were kind of counting on us. Um, so we had to look really hard at how where we were going to go, um, what choice we were going to make, because when the mandates fell and Jacinda resigned, you know, some people were saying, oh, you, you're going to finish up with VFF now. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I don't think so. All of these <laughs> things are still coming at us, you know, yeah. thick and fast from around the world. It's just because mandates are over. Um, well, mostly over. They they were they remained in place for some industries for quite a long time, but um, you know there was still plenty to be done in terms of educating people and keeping people connected and growing the movement because that is a key with all of this is that your strength comes in your numbers. If you have a lot of people standing up together and saying no on something across a country, you have power, and so that is something that we've been seeking to do all the way along is to present uh, Freedom 101 sort of topics and issues that everyday people who know nothing about it can go, oh, yeah, that makes sense, or I didn't know that. It's not so far down a rabbit hole that people um, bounce off it or, or you know, just turn away because it's too much. Um, we try and pitch, pe- pitch things at the right kind of um, level so that, so that they're easily grasped. So we wanted to kind of keep going with what we were doing. We wanted to keep building our community. We wanted to um, keep educating people on the topics that mattered and pushing back, basically. So we we ended up to deciding that instead of politics, uh, we didn't have a voice in the mainstream media, and that was what was lacking. And so we decided that we would start a media group. Yep. And so basically, <laughs> here we are. Here enters uh, Reality Check Radio. And, um, you know, it's quite, it's kind of crazy when you look back over the three years of the sorts of things that you've done and we've managed to pull off just because people believe in what you're doing and they trust you and um, they can see that you've got a good track record of delivering um, on your promises and, uh, you know, doing good things for the country and the communities. Yeah, so that's basically uh, where we were at with that. So we decided that politics was, it was a big risk and we weren't prepared to risk the whole organisation on a political party. We prefer to keep going and doing all the things that actually inspired us, which was empowering people largely with information and skills. Yeah. Yeah, and each other. Okay, well, that's what you did. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. you push the go button. And, um, I mean, I've got my thoughts, but what do you make of it? Well, I guess, you know, I think 
right now what, what we have is a situation that's similar to the last election. You have a lot of people that have put a lot of hope in some of these potential solutions by way of minor parties that, that you know, were suggesting that they might um, be more successful than the polls were showing. And and that has a bit of a come down with it afterwards, you know, like, oh, yeah. what now, you know, and the thing is, we're still here. We've had, we've now got three years of um, organization and structure under our belt. We're ready to go. We're just keeping on, keeping on. So we have, the groups are still operating all around the country. We've got some, you know, some great people that are touring around doing some excellent presentations throughout the groups on like communication um, options and natural health and, you know, all sorts of things. So what I would say to people is don't feel down about it. We, we've, all, we're all here together. You've basically got to pull your socks up and, and get involved. Um, this is, it, we have to have action. It's a bit like the end of the summer holiday at the Badge and all the relatives have left and it's just you left. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And it's like, oh, okay. But that feeling doesn't last for long. No. Um, and, and you crack back into it. So so what? what is the mission? What's the mission now that we've got this bit over? The mission is what to keep on, for RCR anyway, to keep on doing what we're doing to – grow it out, obviously. I mean, there are other parts of the media that are available as well. And, um, and you know, the audience, I don't think we've tapped out the potential of the audience is my feeling, but uh, that's No, that's there. right. I think it's up to everybody, each of us, to share. We, we're going to yeah. a lot of effort um, within the station to provide top-class kind of interviews on important topics in a way that's easily um, consumed. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that you can go out, you watch something, you share it with the people that are around you so that you try and spread the word. That's the whole point of all of this stuff. It's to get the information out there to a broader range of people. So it really does need the people power to um, spread it and to help us to spread it too. I mean, we've seen the last um, few weeks, we've been running some extra billboards and advertising in the, in the Herald and that kind of thing. We've still got um, flyers that are out there for people who are wanting to do that. We have people that are out there with the the signs, the fence signs on. I love those fence signs. They're so great. Yeah, and and, <laughs> yeah. and those those pictures of them with the they're up there on the roadside, and there's that beautiful sort of Kiwi countryside sort of meandering off into the backdrop. I love those. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel really warm and fuzzy, which is it does something that is uh, really special. I think to our station, it, it sets it apart from everyone else is the people that are behind it and yep. wanting to make it a success, you know, and uh, out there championing, championing it for us. So that's really exciting. And I think whatever people can do to try and spread the word, that would be great because it's going to help us all in the end. Well, just a bit of feedback uh, to you from uh, my experience is because, you know, I talk with a lot of people and it's incredible to have that opportunity but um, some quite high-powered people, international people, have said to me that they have had people forward RCR interviews to them to listen wow. to. So, wow. it, it, you know, it's big. It's potentially very big. So Yes, um, which yeah. is why I think we see things like Fire and Fury being put up for a um, best film. You know, they've yeah. got to try and take us down somehow. 
I feel like making just, a parody it of it. It was very desperate. <laughs> we'll make a parody of it, I think. I'll have a chat with Marie Busky and see if we can write an alternative <laughs> script. <laughs> Might make a feature on the barn wall of Animal uh, yeah. Farm. <laughs> yeah, movie night on, yeah. on Aotearoa Farm, something like that. <laughs> okay, is there anything more to say at this point? I, I, I guess we're saying we're over the election hump, though, you know, we, we I mean, what are those figures, 200 interviews or something like that um thousand yeah. over a thousand hours of content generated just on that um it definitely gave those small parties a voice mainstream media didn't even mention them no actually. they got didn't none. even whisper their name yeah and so that was really good to be able to do that uh, i just i really do hope though for next time um because you know there will be a next time <laughs> we, i think we learn lessons um, don't we well, you really hope we that we learn lessons. That we we tried our best to try and share that what we had learned from last time, and and with respect to that concept of the wasted vote, which has been you know really um, controversial. It people has, didn't like yeah. that one. Um, well, you know, some people obviously really appreciated it, but there's some noisy ones out there that seem to think that by you know talking about uh, reality and and the facts of the matter of the system that we have that is somehow, you know, working against uh, each other as, as a quote-unquote freedom. Well, it was seen as trying to put people off or, or, or put them in a particular direction. Mm. But no, I mean, I know because I talk to everyone and yes. we were just trying to stay in the reality zone, even if it kind of hurt, you know? Well, you want to have representation in government and that might not be the representation that you necessarily uh, would prefer, but... The way we see it is that politics is only one piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. And and when you think of it like that, and and you don't lay everything on that one piece, you know, um, then it's it's easier to just be more pragmatic about okay, let's just get some people in there. And as it happened, the people that are going in there and who were polling at being able to get in there were really good people. You know, there were yeah. some great freedom people who who were in line to go into government. It's just a shame that they missed out on roughly the percentage that was sort of so-called wasted um, for, from the fractured freedom parties, which is a real shame for everybody. Um, and, I, you know, so you tick off uh, politics, okay, so you've got some people in there, and then you get to work on all the other stuff that's yeah. just well, probably more important, I think, in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. And, you, you know, going forward, for those who are interested in, in politics, um, I know that Rodney and uh, was it uh, Gary Moller and Cam have all talked about this concept of you know getting involved with the existing parties. It's not a difficult um, plan when you hear it laid out. It's it's doable. It's totally doable. You just have to think a little differently to what people are used to thinking like, and um, perhaps be a little bit more strategic. So. You know, there's that there for people that are so inclined as well. There's lots of things to be done. So basically, yeah. get out there, join a local group, voicesforfreedom.co.nz. You can sign up there. You can find out if there's a local group in your area, if it's something that you would like to be help with being a coordinator for, you can sign up for that as well and, and help to lead a group. Um, it's a really rewarding thing to do. Uh, you know, we, we, we meet with our coordinators once a year and it's always an amazing time to yeah. come together and sort of see the the people who make it all happen out there. I've the experienced that because they came to that get together in, in the Waikato and it was incredible. 
actually. Mm-hmm. And it's like you mentioned before, you don't know the people, but you sort of instantly know them. Yes. You know, the connection's yeah. there. Cut mm. straight through to it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess I, the, the, the right. message is that there's hope. So yeah. don't give up hope. There's still plenty to be done and everybody's got a role to play. And we get up every morning and do it again. <laughs> we do. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks, Alia, for coming in and sort of taking us through that. It was it was that was great. Oh, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.